0: Thank you for listening to the Manage Smarter Podcast. Your hosts, C. Lee Smith and Audrey Strong, navigate new ways to hire, develop, and retain talent, helping your team soar to higher performance. This is the Manage Smarter Podcast.
1: Well, hello again, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to the Manage Smarter Podcast. I am the Director of Communications for SalesFuel, Audrey Strong. And I'm
0: C. Lee Smith, the President and CEO of SalesFuel.
1: We are thrilled today to have as our very special guest, Mr. Doug Sandler. He is the founder and president of Turnkey Podcast. Doug, tell us a little bit more about you. You have so much going on. I'm so glad you're here for our listeners.
2: Well, most importantly, I'm the husband of Danielle Cowick. <laughs> uh, smart man you are. Yeah, man. Yeah. Hey, I, I know Woo-hoo. where my bread is buttered for sure. <laughs> I can tell you that. your honey,
1: the, listen to this. Yeah, I, I
2: stayed, stayed in the doghouse an awful long time. It's ready. It's time for me to get out. Yeah, Uh, geez. So uh, I don't know. I've been in the podcasting space for a few Mm -hmm. years now. We're about 525 or 530 episodes into our run. We've got a couple million listeners almost at this point and uh, and digging it. It is uh, it is one of the most fun experiences that I've ever had in this new media space. And uh, there's nothing better than making money from your pajamas. So I enjoy that part of it too.
0: So tell us a little bit more about your podcast.
2: What's the name of it? Where uh, and What's it about? Yep. And what do you do there? Sure. So the podcast is called the Nice Guys on Business Podcast. And that is the title of our anchor show. I guess not anchor because it's pulling us down so much, but it is the show <laughs> that actually has uh, created this whole other series of shows. We have another show called the BizWiz Podcast and another one that is soon to be airing called Sedex. It's kind of our spinoff of, of the TED Talks. TEDx Talk. So it's really a, a, a loosely defined business show. We always look at it and say every once in a while, it's, um, it's uh, business brilliance interrupted by moments of total bedlam. <laughs> so we, we have a great time running the show. We, it's, it's a lot of conversations with, uh, with high achievers, uh, marketing uh, folks, salespeople. Uh, entrepreneurs, CEOs. We really don't discriminate against any type of business leader that's out there. We just love people that have great stories, great actionable items, and come on and share them uh, openly with our audience.
0: Now, Audrey and I are both children of the Midwest or whatever, so it's important to be nice in the Midwest. And so I'm really curious about how you came up with the name of your podcast. I, Audrey, did you did you have something to add
2: to that too?
1: No, I, well, I would like to think I'm nice, yes. But um, no, I, I think it's a really great brand that you have. I mean, who wouldn't want to be on that podcast, right?
2: It's very fun. It's really fun because um, Strick and I, Strickland Bonner is my, uh, is my co-host and we oftentimes have said, you know what, we're the nice guys on business podcast and sometimes we're not actually even so nice. So then we just decided maybe we should just change it to the the business podcast. And we're like, no, sometimes we don't yeah. even want really to talk about business too. So we're just going to call it the podcast. I <laughs> haven't really gotten there. It'll,
0: it'll be a symbol like Prince back yeah, then. Yeah, like no. Prince.
2: <laughs> I wrote a book called, uh, called Nice Guys Finish First and this is back in 2015. And, uh, I was looking for a way to promote the book. So I said to my friend, my, my good friend of 20 years at the time, Strickland, I said, Hey, Strick, let's, uh, let's do a podcast and we can really start promoting my book and my speaking business and my online training. He said, that's great. I just have one question. I said, what? He said, what's a podcast. (laughs) I had listened to maybe one podcast episode Mm -hmm. at that point. It might've been this American life or cereal or whatever was out and, and of, of flavor that day. And uh, it has dramatically changed my entire life. I mean, podcasting for me has, has really been a way to expose an audience to my message where I never had plans to be able to reach them before. So it's been a really great opportunity for us.
1: Well, it's funny, one of our, um, our director of marketing at Sales Fuel, she had a question that she wanted me to ask you because she knew oh. you were coming on the show, which was for people who aren't as familiar with the podcast space, it's a chicken or an egg question she had, which is, why should I do a podcast and how does it enhance or boost my brand and my warm leads and sales and business? And then what are your best practices for promoting it so that it does have some sort of a straight line effect between doing it and the other end?
2: Well, you can look at it. You can look at your podcast either way. I mean, you can look at it and say, which came first, the chicken or the egg? Should I have a podcast Mm -hmm. to promote my message or should I have a message to promote my podcast? And either way that you handle it is probably, as long as you understand that that's your strategy going into it, uh, you'll you'll be successful. at. If you focus on the following thing, if you stop focusing on building on your audience and provide instead a valuable platform for or a valuable channel for your guests to promote their business, You will get them to help you promote your podcast, which in in turn is going to build your audience. So what everybody focuses on with podcasts, they focus on trying to make money through sponsorship, affiliation, advertising, donations, selling their services to their audience. The problem with that is is simple. You're relying upon the, the behavior of your audience to take action. And that is a, and, and as people that are in the sales world, you know that that's really challenging. You're going to get a, a, a such a small percentage of people to take action. And from being in the radio business, you you both know this. If, however, you turn the behavior instead of waiting for your audience to take action, you take action by changing your behavior to instead of stop focusing on your audience, you focus on your guest. Your guest becomes the primary objective for your sales strategy instead of your audience. When you do that, much higher closing rate, much higher closing percentage, and most importantly, you're relying upon your behavior, not your audience's.
0: One of the questions I always ask anybody that comes on this show is, is about a metric that they use to determine success. So it sounds to me like you're telling me that maybe the number of listeners or the number of downloads is not necessarily the metric that you want to pay attention to starting out. So what metric should you be paying attention to?
2: Geez, that's a really great question. So you have to look at, you have to kind of devise what is that perfect, and you've heard this a million times, I'm sure, what is that perfect avatar? What is that perfect customer that could be the, the perfect person to buy your products and services? So if you're in the sales training world, maybe it is a director of sales management, maybe it's a VP of sales, maybe it's a CEO, maybe it's some leader within an organization, and you say, what are the questions that I need to ask that person to determine whether they're going to be an ideal candidate, not just for providing a great message for my audience, but for me be able to provide my services to them. So the metrics have got to be, what questions can I ask? How many great questions can I ask? Who are these people? What is my closing rate for those people? It's nothing about your audience. It's all about your guests. How many applications yeah. do I need to get to come in the door? You know, instead of looking at how many millions of listeners or how many thousands of listeners do I need to have in order to sell a product? It's how many applications do I actually have to take for people to come on my show for it, for me to to funnel down into the ideal person that would be a candidate for the products and services that I sell.
1: That being said, one of the ways that you can get guests and, potentially monetize the show if you wanted to would be to join a network like podcast one or c-suite radio or whatever can you talk a little bit more for our listeners about the benefits and maybe not so great things about participating in a network
2: yeah. Well, I guess they, let's let's talk about the downside of joining a network. The downside of joining a network is you're spending money, again, waiting on somebody else's behavior. And there's nothing <laughs> wrong with joining a network. I mean, you have a great reputation at an organization like C-Suite or or iHeartRadio or, or Voice America or any of the different networks that are out there. The question is, if you use those networks, but you don't use them to your advantage to filter through, you know, I would use the advantage of having, let's say, a relationship with C-Suite Radio, which I have. I use that not for the, not for the audience, but I use it for the access to that level of guest. And okay. if I stop focusing for a second on the audience that's listening to my show, but instead focus on that guest and funneling them down into my sales program, my sales strategy, my sales cycle, that's, that's what I'm looking to do ultimately with my guests.
1: I'm looking at the questionnaire, the pre-show questionnaire that you filled out for us, and we asked you some questions that were a little bit broader about yeah. your manage smarter philosophies.
2: Did I answer in like a smart ass or did I actually No, no, they them? were good. Yeah.
1: You talk about tough love leadership being the number one mistake that managers make. Can you explain what you mean by that?
2: Yeah, in, interesting questions. Yeah, I did love the questions that you asked uh on your um on your questionnaire and I think oftentimes that as as podcast hosts are are some of the some of the th- you know whenever I just get a here link to my schedule and let's set up an appointment and when I don't get any questions I really don't know the direction of the mm-hmm. show. So the fact that you guys actually had a questionnaire um, fortunately, you're a client of mine, so I would have probably advised you to. <laughs> you and to, and you us set it up. It was advise awesome. you to to, to <laughs> come up with the uh, with the Q and um, Going back to my original plan of what I was using my podcast for, which was to promote my speaking business and my and my online training program and my uh, and my book. Um, nice guys finish first. The reality of it is so many leaders today are using, um, you know, uh, the critical method, negative reinforcement to get their their uh, their organization, their staff to actually take action. And I look at it and say, why don't we reverse that? Why don't we catch people in the act of doing something right? Why don't we actually show gratitude, show empathy? Why don't we be a human being uh, <laughs> with people? And right, I mean, leadership's yeah. got that. When and if you, could, if you could do those simple things on an everyday basis and not, not, fake, but actually being genuine with providing gratitude to your staff and empathy and and catching them in the act of doing something right. When you can do that, you actually will have somebody that will be willing to to be led rather than forcing them to be led.
0: And I think for managers, it's really important that when we deal with people, we see ourselves dealing with people. They're not headcount. They're not reports. They're not subordinates. They're not whatever. it's like, they are people. And so we, we share the same type of issues. It's like we have things going on at home that nobody knows about if we're doing it right. And, you know, we have challenges at work. We have challenges with coworkers and things of that nature. And so, the, many of the same types of people things that we as managers and leaders go through, uh, so too are the people that we are managing. And so as, if we view them as people, it doesn't matter what people skills you have, what managerial skills you have and everything like that, they can be used for good or for bad. Uh, yep. It's a two-edged sword, but it's like as long as you have that caring, that empathy and understanding that you're dealing with a person's life and, and with, with a person who has real feelings and emotions
2: and thoughts of their own and everything like that, I think that that makes all the difference in the world. So the que- the biggest question, though, that I get, Lee, when I go out and I and I do my thing and and speak professionally and and talk about customer service and understanding, it's not a cut, it's not a department, it's a philosophy. One of the biggest things that I get is like, well, how do you do that? And I'm like, I'm, I, and I want to say this, I want to shake them and say, idiot, just be a human being.
0: Exactly, it's not mm-hmm. hard. It's like stop trying to be a manager and start being a, a person. Right. Right, exactly.
1: Doug's also a big proponent of letting people fail, fall flat on their faces, because isn't that where we learn the most? Although some people don't react all that we're, well.
2: We're
0: doing
1: it mm-hmm. right here.
2: I mean, we're <laughs> I mean, yeah, failure is one of those things that I uh, that I enjoy so much that I've done it over and over and over. <laughs> Again, and I think that you learn most from your failure. And if you let people within your organization fail, and you know you let them fail in a safe environment, Mm -hmm. you let Mm -hmm. them know that it's okay to fail, and let them know that as long as you're not quitting, uh, as long as you are getting Mm -hmm. back up on your feet and and going again, you know, uh, failure. Most salespeople are going to experience failure many more times than they experience success in uh, in their in their call cycle. So why not just make it real? Tell people it's okay to fail. Just keep moving, low. You know, when you're going through hell, keep going. And I think
0: it's much broader than than that, and, and it's not just in, in a sales perspective, but it's like the worst thing that you can do is feel like, okay, if this person fails or whatever, it's going to make me look bad. And so, therefore, I can't let them fail, or if they do let them fail, there's going to be consequences so that people know not to fail again. Nobody nobody in their right mind really wants to set out to fail. That's not It's not the thing that you tell yourself in the mirror in the morning. I can't wait to go out there and fail today. It, 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 so what you can't do is that you can't come down – uh, crazy hard on somebody if they make a mistake or, or if they try something and, and they blow it or something like that. So There's the right way to handle failure, and we can talk about that in another podcast, but the worst thing I think you can do to your culture is to basically yeah, crucify somebody for, for making a mistake or a, having a failure. If they feel bad about it, they've handled it in the right way, they've learned something from it, and measures have been taken so that they don't make those same kinds of mistakes. Again, it can be a very valuable growth Event for them.
2: I think a lot of times people feel, and that's, and you hit it right on the head, Lee. I think that a lot of times people feel that being nice um, or or showing attitude, uh, gratitude, or empathy. I think they show, see that as a sign of weakness yeah. and instead mm-hmm. of, instead of a strength. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is, it is really, um, it, it built, it's a character building experience to be, uh, to show empathy, to show compassion to someone, mm-hmm. to, to actually be a human being and, and show that vulnerability. And a lot of people just feel that, you know, you're a yes man, or you, you're, you, somebody's going to roll over you. And, mm-hmm. I'm, and I argue that point, uh, you know, all the time about, um, you know, I've been fortunate. I've failed many times, but I've also been successful many times as well. And I've done that with that with that that badge of of nice as my as my moniker every way. It's
0: easy to be an asshole. It <laughs> takes no special <laughs> talent to be to be an asshole. That
2: is true. Very truly.
1: I've always been a big proponent of people who own own up to their mistakes. Have we all worked in organizations where something went wrong and there was a big meeting, everybody in the conference room, and nobody mm-hmm. wanted to just say, "I did that." It's totally, this is why I did it and I blah, blah, blah. And once the person does it the one time, the first time, and they realize it's actually a strength to do that, yeah. Um, yeah. they, it's really not that scary. I think people are afraid of what might happen to them. And so, But
0: that, and you're right though, Audrey, that starts with leadership though. So what the leader mm-hmm. has to do though, is to make it public so that when they screw up, they admit it in public that they screwed up and they can demonstrate how other people basically should handle it when they screw up by, by doing it publicly for all to see. And, and that mm-hmm. takes somebody, not somebody who's weak it takes somebody very strong to do that. That they're strong enough to know that they okay. That oh, I'm not so worried about uh, your perception of me, or whatever. you're going to think less of me, or whatever. If I admit this mistake, or whatever, It's think is like okay, yeah, I'm in charge here. Whatever, I'm going to try stuff, and I'm going to fail sometimes, and I'm going to mess things up. Why? Because I'm a human being, and so are you. But as long as we're trying really hard to to have success, and we're being smart about it, we're being caring about it. Yeah, you know, we're minimizing damage, and we're owning up to you know when we screw up and everything like that. It really starts with the leader, though, setting the tone for everybody else by by admitting their own mistakes publicly.
2: I think in an organization, though, people look at that and they say, if I admit this mistake, I'm going to get fired.
0: Mm-hmm. I think yeah. that If if you're
2: mm-hmm. if you're an entrepreneur, you say, if I admit this mistake, I'm going to lose that client. And I yeah. think we feel like we, by by us trying to be perfect all the time and not admitting failure or defeat, I think that we feel like. Um, you know, like everybody's got a Facebook life. Right? I was Nobody, getting ready to say that. Yes, <laughs> You know, everybody's yeah. got that life. Nobody wants mm-hmm. to show that the horrible things that are going on in their life unless they're really horrible. It's ultra horrible. I got to post this because somebody's going to, you know, be related. You know, it's so relatable to have a life of of uh, of successes and failures. And, and we just have to be, you know, we're, we're pretty transparent on our show, which is, I think, a part why we have probably the audience that we have is because we're just real guys having a conversation just about real stuff. It just happens to be recorded.
0: You know, when I hear somebody talk about their personal brand, it's all about my brand image and everything like that. Where I, that I run for the hills at that point because it tells me you're more concerned about what right, people think right, of you than in who you really are. Right, right.
1: Yeah, authenticity and transparency go a long way, at least Agreed. in my book. But some organizations don't like it. Like you said, Doug, I mean… They but don't. if you're
0: going to get fired for doing it or whatever, you, you you know what? That might be the best thing for you. Get the hell out of there and find some place where you're more compatible.
2: You know, I, I agree with you. I think the biggest concern is that it's one thing to say that and it's another thing to actually be living it. This I is think true. People have a really hard time when I, because I say that all the time. Listen, if you're in a bad mood and you're showing your coworkers and your everybody that's around you, you're miserable, everybody knows. Why don't you just get out? I'm doing you a favor by telling you you have permission to leave. Now I say that, but I say that in a way that knowing that people really don't, they they feel like, well, I'm just going to go be miserable somewhere else, you know? And it's, it's almost like you have got to put your, your mentality, your, your, you've got to check that six inches between your ears so often because it's not about your position in within an organization. It's how you are treating yourself, how you feel about yourself and the way that you um, you know, the, the your self talk is so critical no matter where you are, and people just they fail to, you know, to be um to be gentle on themselves.
0: As the old song lyric went, be good to yourself, nobody else will. That's <laughs> true. That's <laughs> true. Very but true. what
1: you're telling leadership is that they should look for people that have a certain level of self awareness already. Is that what oh, you're yeah. saying?
2: Out. Yeah, I love that. I love the idea that somebody. Mm-hmm. You know, the the challenge is that oftentimes when you walk into a an interview and you have that mentality, I think people think that you're going to come in and try to take over because that is the sign of a of a true leader is someone that can, in spite of everything going on around you, you can you still can rise above um, the misery. I, I think that people sometimes see it and they then they get um, they get a little bit intimidated by that because that's somebody that's coming in. It's going to think they're going to be a, um, a, a leader the day they walk in the door.
0: So you, you work with a lot of leaders in, in your podcast over at dot uh, turnkeypodcast.com. You produce a lot of different shows. Who are some of the leaders that you've worked with that uh, that you really enjoy working with and you're producing their podcast and stuff? Other than us, of course.
2: Well, I was going to say, aside from <laughs> Salesforce, <feel, laughs> <laughs> I had to you slip know, it in here because I wasn't sure it was going to come. Yeah, What's so great, and I think you just actually had had Lou on the show. Lou Diamond was our one of our first clients, and he actually helped us create the entire program. And uh, so Lou has been uh, instrumental in us helping us build our business, whether he's been a, a referral in our network or or beyond that. Uh, we have so many great, so many great shows. We have um, Connie Fife, who was the uh, the ce was the CEO of the Girl Scouts, has a podcast called Up, oh, wow. Upper Alba Connie Fife. Um, she's got a great show. Uh, John Dwoskin has a show called Think Big. We have another Tina Martini. I love this name, Tina Martini. I, mm-hmm. I want to be, I want to come back as a Martini in my next life. <laughs> uh, paradigm shift. She has a great show. Uh, we have a couple dozen really great shows. And I found that those that are, those that have podcasts that are high achievers that really understand this whole entrepreneurial game. Um, they get it because they have great conversations with other people just like them, just like yourselves. They just can be really open and honest and not feeling like, um, they're being too vulnerable by, by exposing their weaknesses on their show.
0: And don't forget who introduced me and you. I mean, another
2: great. Man. Yeah, that's true, Jeffrey Gittermer. That's right. Wow, that's uh, so true. That's so funny how how things come together, isn't mm-hmm. it?
1: Well, it's been really fun launching with you. And it's, I'm so glad that you were able to come on in the early, early shows. For those of you that want to talk to Doug about turnkey podcasting, um, I love your Twitter handle. It's DJ Doug,
2: everybody.
0: Super hey, everybody.
2: I'm a DJ. Part. Hey, well, my background, 30 years as a, uh, as a mobile <laughs> DJ. I, I had that in 2007 when I joined Twitter. I'm like, I don't ever want to get rid of that. Pool
0: parties, bar mitzvahs, <laughs> you know, auto dealer remotes, you know. Hey,
2: I'm still out there gigging every weekend. <laughs> A it's a
1: gig it's it. a gig not my gig but it's a gig
2: i do i do prefer making money in my pajamas over okay. over uh, going out and mobile djing so sorry for all of my dj um uh dj clients but uh, you know the truth the reality of it is i'm 53 years old and there's only so long i can go out there and do the cha-cha slide and the cupid shuffle on the dance floor <laughs> <Audrey>. yeah <laughs> give the other places that people can reach you the, the easiest spot to get to us is just niceguysonbusiness.com. Uh, if you want to check out our podcast, it's right there. Turnkeypodcast.com is uh, is the other site for our production business too. So anywhere, uh, at DJ Doug is my Twitter handle. So however you want to reach out, feel free.
1: Yep. And he's his own name on his LinkedIn and Facebook, everybody, if you want him. So Doug Sandler. What No a-
0: relation to the Sandler salespeople.
2: Wait, yes, I, I am related to the Sandler salesman. Oh, you, you know. are related. Okay, that's right. I'm sorry, I forgot. Yeah, you, you forgot all about my dad. Wow, that was... Uh, I, know, I, I, try, I tried.
1: <laughs> okay, so for the listeners, explain who your dad is before we go.
2: So my dad, uh, it was Dave Sandler. Uh, he, died, he died, unfortunately, uh, about 21 years ago. But uh, my dad was the founder of, uh, of Sandler Sales. And, um, you know, we ended up never having a professional relationship working together in the business. Although, you know, it's funny how things come around and go around. And, you know, now that I'm in the professional speaking business, I'll, t- I'll walk off of a stage anywhere in this country and somebody will say, Hey, are you Dave Sandler's son? Oh, ah, wow. It is a very interesting situation to walk into. But uh, I, I feel proud to have to have been his son. And although we didn't have a a great father-son relationship. We had a, a good uh, mentor-mentee relationship where he would really would guide me. But now that's replaced by Lee, so I feel comfortable now. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> well,
0: I would say you're already a better salespeople than, than many people in that franchise. So, I, th- I think that you're doing exactly the right way by being authentic, providing value every day, and caring for people and helping them solve problems. So, yeah. I, I my hat's off to you, man. I,
2: I appreciate it, Lee. I'll uh, I'll, I'll make sure I, I share that information with Matts and the, uh, the guy that runs I'm sure they'll <laughs> appreciate me saying that on a podcast yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly exactly thanks for thanks for having me guys really appreciate you yeah, as a client and having you on my sh- having me on your show as well i'm so used to saying it the other way
1: <laughs> i know thank you so much doug thank
0: you for joining us today man you're welcome thank you thanks for listening if you enjoyed the show please rate and recommend on itunes overcast or wherever you get your podcasts you can also get more great information at salesfuel.com